Thanks for tuning in to our Monday Night Godcast, an immersive and interactive discussion of the Bible. If you're listening to this right now, then I know for a fact that God has something for you. That's right, you. I'm glad you're here. Let's dive into God's Word and see what He has in store for us today. Sorry, I'm looking for the, the depth of the roots. The not, depth of the roots, not the type. If you know the type of tree, I'd be extremely yeah. impressed. Um, uh, the depth in feet, what is the deepest that roots go of any tree that is recorded? Yeah. 70 It's it's so long, but like I, I feel like you just gotta go for it, like two hundred sixty seven feet. Or <laughs> like you just gotta throw yeah. it up something. Is it closest without going over? I'm not gonna price it right. One one hundred and one. I mean we got seven hundred fifty seven. Anybody close? Um close is all relative, I guess. Um the deepest recorded roots is four hundred feet. Oh, jeez. Wow. 400 feet. Um, yeah, I thought 267 was a stretch. That's what I thought. I thought 100 was a stretch. Like, by, like, by an insane amount. Yeah, I thought Deep. 100 was a stretch. Yeah, I'm like, you know what? Might as well go big and go home. So, this is a fig tree. Um, this is in Echo Caves, which is in. Um, Echo, be quiet. <laughs> <laughs> I see what happened there. Echo, quiet. <laughs>
you can see all the, you know, the, the caves with stalactites and stalagmites. And, but you can see the root going all the way down. It, it found some water down there, so the, oops, sorry, the roots went to where the water is at. Woo! The below ground and above ground photo of that. Nice. Next question. Ooh. What in um, size or area, however, you know, length, what's the world record for the largest tree canopy? So the canopy is the top of the tree, all the, you know, the coverage. How wide is the coverage? We're talking so you're asking for diameter? We're talking length. We'll, we'll okay. talk length. No, you want to give it Are you going length. to acreage or square miles? Or? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, what you need a measurement here. So feet diameter. Oh, so. for one singular feet, tree. Feet diameter. But, but yeah. the canopy for one tree. The canopy for one tree. I thought it was like a forest canopy. Okay. But there's actually like things that they call trees that are actually just vines that overtake trees and then they have yeah. offshoots. Yeah, that, that is a good question because there are those. Yeah, there's. Any starting guesses? Oh, uh, two hundred. Two hundred feet. Four hundred feet. Four hundred feet. I want to say five. Well, 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 that's not the target. Five miles. Five miles. <laughs> I'm going to say six thousand feet, which is absurd. <laughs> that's absurd. Any other guesses? Bidding's closed. Seven hundred. Seven hundred all the way around. Uh, one thousand three hundred fifty feet. In what? diameter. That's insane. Diameter. So that's nuts. In coverage, that's three acres. Yeah. An acre is approximately a football field. Mm. For one tree. One tree. One tree. What is this tree? Don't worry, I've got a good one. Is this one tree in the middle of a field we're gonna actually So this tree um, it appears to be a forest, but it's actually one tree. Um, because there's this individual tree has aerial has Aerial roots, mm -hmm. so the roots go down, and then they also come back up above ground. And they look like new trees. Um, and it looks like each root looks like its own tree, but it's all one root system. It's all okay, one tree. Okay, so I was curious. There's around 3,600 of these above ground roots yeah. coming up, that covering. Makes sense. This is in Calcutta, India. Probably in Canada. I think closed instead of looking all the tab. Okay. That's the canopy. That's the tree. This is one tree. Yeah, it does look like broccoli. Yeah, there you go. That's it. <laughs> wow. So this tree, um, again, it's one tree, huge root system. Um, does the tree have a name? Yes, this is yeah. the... Nice. Uh, so the first one with the deep roots, that was a, a fig tree. This one is um, a uh, banyan tree. B-A-N-Y-A-N, banyan tree. Um, so, there's that. Mm. Today, we're talking about 
what it means to be complete in Christ. Uh, turn to Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2. Probably wondering, I right, what was the point of the tree questions? I thought you were just really excited to learn cool facts I'm about you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised you only asked two instead of tree or four. <laughs> chapter 2. We're going to actually start at verse 6, um, because I kind of see the first 5 as part of the verse, or sorry, chapter 1 is kind of like a continuing of that thought there. So we're going to start at verse 6. Um, Colossians chapter 2, starting at verse 6. And does somebody want to read? You know, let's, let's go nice and slow. Um, somebody want to read 6 and 7? Two, two verses. I'll start it off. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live, to live your lives in Him, rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. I see the connection now. I love it. What's the connection? Thanksgiving. No, I'm just like rooted. 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 Talk about being rooted in Christ. Love it. So, there's a reason for this. Um, I was supposed to give you guys a little context before we get into this, so pretend we didn't read that yet. Here's the context of the, the book of Colossians. Does anyone know who this letter was written to? The Colossians. Yes. The church in Colossia. Or actually, Colossae. Colossae. Exactly. The Church of Colossia. Colossia. However you pronounce it. So Paul is writing this letter to the people of Colossa, the Colossians, um, while he was in prison. One of the many times he was in prison, he's writing this letter. Paul had never met these people before, um, but he's writing them a letter in response to a friend who updated him on how the Colossians are doing in regards to their faith in Jesus and the current pressures for them to turn away from Jesus. Paul's addressing their pressure to turn away from Jesus and challenging them to greater devote themselves to Jesus instead. These Colossian Christians grew up worshiping Greek and Roman gods. So you got Hermes, the god of money, Aphrodite, the god of sex, Apollo, the god of music, and many, 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 many others. And a lot of these um, Christians, um, people who are starting to follow Jesus and um, these Colossians, they're now just seeing Jesus as one more deity to worship. Like, oh yeah, just one, one more one more God to worship. So that's one of the things Paul's addressing here. The other main thing Paul's addressing here is um, the pressure from the Jewish Christians here, that, uh, that community, to complete their commitment to the Messiah by observing the laws of the Torah. Keeping kosher, keeping the sacred days sacred and holy, and not doing certain things then. Circumcision. Circumcision. Um, so he's addressing those two big things of Jewish laws, keeping all these regulations and the, the whole philosophy and religion that they've built up from what they've been 
taught from you know being raised in that area. So here we have Paul saying, um, just as you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him. Let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you have taught, and you will overflow with thankfulness. Just on those two verses, observations, thoughts, comments, questions, something to correlate with context of what's going on. At the beginning of verse 6, where it's like, you receive Christ Jesus, and then, like it says, continue to live your lives in him, and it says, right in verse 7, rooted and built up in him. So it uses him more than once. Christ Jesus always is capitalized, okay. and Lord. And um, with all that at the beginning, you want to continue not only being rooted and built up, but your faith is strengthened, and you can be overflowed with thankfulness. Okay. I like how that all starts us for what we're going to continue on. Yeah. Anyone else? Does the word abounding mean to give abundantly? Or to have abundantly, or is abound. What's the context is using? So it goes, rooted and built, uh, abounding therein with thanksgiving. It's like overflowing. It's, yeah, yeah, it must, it must, yeah. Your translation. I was just trying must, to connect yeah. I think abound. Like, I think abound is from the like with the word abundance. abundance. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, because it's just like when you receive Exist Christ in and you large listen, numbers or amounts. Nice, because when you it's saying like. It says, like, when you receive Christ as Lord and you walk with Him, that you're rooted in Him and that you build your life upon Him and you're established in His faith, that because of your doing this, you will, Thanksgiving won't even be something you think about anymore. It's just going to, you're going to be overflowing with such thankfulness because you start seeing things in your life, you're like, well, I'm pretty thankful for just having socks. Or something like, you know, like, that's silly, but all these little things that we take for granted, it's like, you start abounding in Thanksgiving because you just start having it so much. responsibility in a lot of ways mm -hmm. and the ownership of the growth of our faith on us to allow him to move. Mm -hmm. So that tells me like I have to do something. I can't just sit and wait for it to happen to me, but I play an active role in ushering it in. Let your roots grow down into him means I cannot let his roots grow down. Same with let your lives be built on, uh, built on him. I cannot let my life be built on him just as easy as I can let it be built on him. Cool. We got a few different metaphors going on here. What are some of the metaphors we see going on? This is one. This could just, I don't know. Like the apple doesn't far, far from the tree. Um, I, don't, I have no idea. No, no, no. It's fine. a good guess. So, like, because, like, I don't know, like the apple doesn't far, far from the tree. So he, he's talking here, uh, maybe metaphor, I don't know if that's the right word or not, but we've got, um, you know, we've got walk, walk, uh, in walk in him, mm -hmm. rooted and built up. Um, 
So he's using like all these different ways of, of talking about growing in your faith in Christ, right? Walking in him. Like, you know, I, I think that's a metaphor. Yeah, because you definitely don't walk in him. You know, it's a metaphor. You're walking in him, walking with him, rooted in him, built up in him. So using all these you know, these different uh, metaphors or analogies or however you want to sure. Um, but um, it, it's all bringing it's all bringing across the same message of be established, keep growing, follow him, stay with him. So I'm gonna tie back those two trivia questions about the trees now. Both those trees, we've got one in South Africa, we got one in India, one with the deepest roots ever recorded, going through a cave to find a source of water to keep itself alive. And we've got one with the largest above ground canopy in the world. Both completely different, different sides of the world, almost practically exact opposite sides of the world. Um, and yet, they both endured droughts and storms. And they're both still alive. Uh, sorry, one of them is, uh, uh, I don't recall the age, I'm not going to look it up, but they were around like 200 or 400 years old, somewhere around there, I, both of them, um, old, old trees. They've endured a lot of storms, a lot of hurricanes, a lot of droughts, all these situations that are external, yet they're still standing when a lot of other trees don't last that long. But their deeply established roots were the key to their survival. Even though they're completely different trees, made and designed for completely different reasons and completely different sides of the world, they're still standing. And I think that our faith, you can make it personal, your faith, will only be as established as your roots are deep. Your root, sorry, your faith will only be as established as your roots are deep. The roots won't grow deep in the droughts and the storms. You got that? They won't. They won't grow deep during the droughts and the storms. That has to happen beforehand. Day after day, growing deeper and deeper into the firm foundation that's planted in there. If you're expecting to start growing roots in the middle of a hurricane, that's the wrong time to be starting to try to grow roots because you should have already been firmly rooted into the ground. The only way those, especially those large size of trees, can stand through all the hurricanes and everything is because they've, they've gone so deep into its foundation, they're firmly planted. They have a firm foundation and nothing of these external, external forces can, can knock it down. But if it's just like, Oh, you know what? I haven't grown my roots deep at all. I'm just kind of like, I just kept my roots just kind of right here on the surface of the dirt. You know, I haven't, I haven't gone deep yet. I'm just, I'm staying right here where it's comfortable. It's easy. This ground is really soft. It's fun. It's just these nice, easy roots. The soil right here. Um, first wind that comes, the first hurricane that blows, the first drought that comes out. The tree's gonna fall because it's not firmly planted. Its its roots are only just surface level. So this is all. This all this is just, you know, that's what he's talking about here. Let your roots. Um, sorry, he says, let your roots grow down into him, and let your lives be built on him. 
Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught. You will overflow with thankfulness. So he's really speaking of the importance of going deep. He's talking to Christians here. He's not talking to people who don't know Jesus. He's talking to Christians. People who have already accepted Jesus as their Savior. Now, you know, he's talking, he's addressing different things, like, hey, yeah, you can't just, you can't just add on Jesus as one more God, like, you need to grow in only him. But he's addressing it to Christians, so I think this is very practical to, to us, too, who we've already proclaimed Jesus as our Lord. This, this, this is how he's saying to grow your faith. Let your roots grow deep. I think what Jackie said also is important. Let. That's kind of an active thing, right? You need to allow yourself to, to grow deep into him, which is, it's not just a passive thing like, eh, I'll grow deep, cool. Let me just like water myself and like, well, that's it. It's like, well, that watering is that daily, right? It needs water every day. It's that daily getting your nutrition, right? Um, that that um, uh, fig tree in the Echo Caves of South Africa, um, that's 400 foot deep of roots. It absorbs 27 liters of water a day, bringing it up from the roots 400 feet to the rest of the tree to, to provide it with water. It's a lot of water. And it kept searching, right? You know, plants are a little intuitive, actually. If you ever see, look at, like, vines and stuff like that, they don't just grow and just, like, they, they, they've got, got a little sense of, like, oh, there's something here. Let me grow, let me grow my way up it. And these roots kept searching for water. I need, I need a source of life. I need a source of life. Just keep growing deeper and deeper. And it found the water. All right, 8 through 10. Who wants to take those two verses? Or I guess 3, technically. I'll take it. Okay. 8 through 10. <laughs> Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead body, and ye are complete in him. Which is in, which is the head of all principality and power. Jack, you want to read that too? Because we're gonna have two different translations. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's why I was. Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world, rather than from Christ. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. So you also are complete through your union with Christ, who is the head over every ruler and authority. Cool. So this is what we're talking about here, being complete in Christ. This is, this is the, the meat of, of, of this passage. Of, so you are complete through your union with Christ, who is the head over every ruler and authority. But 8 through 10, this, this little section right here. Does anyone have any thoughts of anything before we dig into it before we grow deeper into it I like that at the start of 8 it goes and see that no one not just one person no one takes you captive um, so that's great continues on from what we discussed earlier in the previous verses and then I like how in 9 it's like it brings fullness twice for, for in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives and then 
in Christ you have been brought to fullness and then ends well with head over every power and authority. I like how he encompasses more as we dive into it, but cool. good stuff there. What's some MC philosophy that maybe you've heard before? That's a hard question. What haven't we heard? That's, that's what yeah. I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, you go. You know how love is love. Like, All you need is love. We've heard so many things. <laughs> what is love? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. what, what else? What, what other empty philosophies have? These are perfect. Yeah, love is love. All religion is the same. All religion is All the same. All roads lead to God. Huh? All roads lead to God. Yeah. All dogs go to heaven. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Gosh. Uh, we hear a lot these days. Live your truth. You know, like find yeah. your own truth yeah. and like truth is relative. Truth is relative. Is like, absolutely yeah. true. <gasps> and the earth is flat. Yeah. <laughs> That's a conspiracy more than a philosophy, which could be is true. That philosophy or... We won't talk about that. Philosophy means love of knowledge. Kind of the opposite, isn't it? <laughs> Anyway, there's, there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff out there. Um, you know, back you know when Paul's writing to the Colossians, you know they're, they're these Colossians they're they were grew up in and kind of rooted in uh, Roman and Greek religion and all these God, there's a God for everything, right? There's a God of love. There's a God of this. There's a, a God for water. And they'll pray to the water gods. They'll pray to this God, right? You know, you can hear people say that today in like a joking way, like. Um, Oh, pray to the weather god that today's great weather because we have this going on. Or um, uh, pray to the paperwork god that like we don't get too much paperwork. Like you know, people say it about everything these days, and like in a joking way, but it, you know, I think it holds some type of backing for what people actually believe. Um, and a lot of a lot of these religions that that they were practicing and believing in back then, um, they believed. That the world was you know, essentially a dangerous place with spirits and spiritual forces everywhere, as Paul references here um, in, in verse 8 uh, in another translation as elements or elemental forces. Um, I think here he kind of says it in uh, spiritual powers of this world. Um, that they essentially, they thought that you were protected from these, danger from these dangerous spiritual forces by either worshipping them or finding protection under a greater deity or a, a stronger spiritual power that was superior superior to the element. So they'd be like, oh, you know, oh, we actually, oh, yeah, there's there's this God who is, like, over, like, the water and the sea, and but, like, not this and this. So we're going to worship this God and, you know, make sure, like, this God is happy with us so that, like, we don't have another drought again because last year we didn't worship the water God and this. So, like, they were kind of all over the place. That's a lot of this empty philosophy and high-sounding nonsense sentences. Um... And honestly, kind of a, a thought, um, uh, like a, a rule of thought or whatever that people thought back then, and even today, especially today, essentially can boil it down to karma. Mm -hmm. What goes around comes around, right? Do good, get good. Do bad, get bad back, right? You get what you deserve, you know? When you're good, you deserve good. When you're bad, you deserve bad. Like, sounds pretty good, right? Right? You reap what you sow. That's biblical. That is biblical. But it doesn't always mean do something and get something, right? Like, that's not what he's saying here. You reap 
freaking is like putting into the ground. You reap apple seeds, you're gonna sow apples. You reap wheat, you will harvest. You're backwards. Wheat. You're backwards, you but sow, that's okay. And then you, you sow and then you reap. <laughs> you sow. Ah, yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We're following. Yeah. We're, yeah. We're, We're tracking. Yeah, Track so that's what he said. But. <laughs> Right, so like it sounds like sound advice, right? Oh, and it sounds like it's like legit, right? You you get what you deserve, right? But he's warning them to not subject themselves to this grace eliminating kind of thinking, to consider themselves dead to it, right? Because what's the point of grace if you just get what you deserve? There there'd be no point of grace. Grace would kind of be rendered useless. You know, grace is like get grace is getting what you don't deserve. So he's like, scratch all that. Don't don't subject yourself to that nonsense. High sounding nonsense. I like how it's worded there. It sounds like it's really sophisticated stuff, but it's nonsense. <laughs> so what's he saying to do instead? To dwell within Christ. Because you'll find completeness with him. Mm. It's not like you being in Christ makes Christ complete. It's that if you find yourself in Christ, that by doing that, you are now complete. Like that is your purpose. Like I don't like don't go into philosophy. Don't go into all this. Find Christ, and that's that's bottom line. That's it. You're, you're, now you're complete now. We're gonna sing about verse nine. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in the human body. What does that mean? You don't have to overthink it. It's a simple but the most complex thing you can ever think. Yeah, it just means Jesus is God, but he's also human. So I have this yeah. dotted because when I wrote my book, when I have a journal, and I was talking about like with the Holy Trinity, this is one of the reasons I backed up like the idea of the Holy Trinity, because... It's like, I don't know, just that's why I finished the Holy Trinity right there. But kind of, mm-hmm. by in God's word in the Bible, it kind of backs up the idea that Jesus Christ is fully God and has the full knowledge and the full deity and the full, he's the fullness of God and the same thing with the Holy Spirit and God himself. It's sort of thought, sorry. Sorry. Yeah, I was going to say, you could have said something. Okay. Like, you don't, it's, what I see here is like, you don't get caught up in like, of Trinitarianism, Unitarianism, Neophysticism, all the different different things that churches have split over, the minutia of, what is the Godhead? Mm-hmm. Where you can just say, like, okay, well, if we can agree that we're following Christ and the Godhead is complete in Christ, then you don't have to mm-hmm. get into these philosophical mm-hmm. debates about all the minutia mm-hmm. of how the Trinity relates to itself. Yeah, for sure. See, I think it's important and even critical to understand and acknowledge that Jesus, like exactly what you just said here, Jesus is God. He is the full embodiment of God. Um, and he's um, the fullness of God in human form, as he says here. The fullness of God. He's not one-third God Jesus isn't one-third God, and the Holy Spirit is one-third God, and the Father is one-third God, and all together, one-third plus one-third plus one-third equals one. Nope. 
1 plus 1 plus 1 equals 1. If you want to look at it, mm. 1 times 1 times 1 equals 1. Jesus is fully God. He's not less powerful than the Father. He's not more or less powerful, powerful than the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is fully God. He's not more or less powerful than the, than the Son or than the Father. And the Father, God the Father, He is also fully God. He is not more or less powerful than the Holy Spirit or Jesus. They are all equally the fullness of God. As simple as it is, as complex as it is, that's the truth. It's something I don't think we'll actually fully understand how it makes sense. Probably no one really understands how that quite makes sense. How they can all be equal to each other. How they're different, but the same. God always existed. God the Father always existed. Jesus the Son always existed. He wasn't born 2,000 years ago into existence. He was brought onto the earth in human form 2,000 years ago, but he always existed. The Holy Spirit wasn't just brought about after Jesus was you know, crucified and said, here, here you go, have this part of me. Like he, The Holy Spirit always existed. All three, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, they're all God. They all always existed. They were never created. They're all, all equal. So with that, verse 10, this says, for so, sorry, verse 9, For Christ lives in the fullness of God, completeness of, let's say the completeness of God, in a human body. So you also are complete through your union with Christ, who is the head over every ruler and authority. So how are we made complete? Speaking to a non-Christian, a non-Christianese, what does that mean to be complete with your union in Christ, through your union in Christ? To follow, to worship, and to like lead a life kind of of Christ. Like, I don't know, you're a Christian. <laughs> Speaks to a transition from worldly ways to Christian ways. Because you can't have a union without the old going away and the new coming forth. Forget what that scripture is, but I do have your thoughts on it. Possible. Nice. Which is therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Five by four. Oh, excuse me. Roll up your sleeve and make it ten. <laughs> John three sixteen. <laughs> I don't have that one on my mind, no, but I've got the other one. Yeah, it's 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 interesting, right? That it's hard for us to put into words what this means. And we're all we're all a group of Christians here, but it's I don't know how else to describe it other than such a simple thing, but also the most complex thing. Right? I mean, you boil down our faith 
It's simple, right? Oh, yeah, we believe what Jesus did, and we're going to dedicate our lives to that. At the same time, how does thinking something in your head equate to when you die, you don't go down there, you go up there, right? It's like such a simple thing, but such a critical and fundamental thing. Or so much more than that. Your complete reunion with Christ. Yeah, it's exactly what all you guys just said. It's walking with Him, right? It's, it's like what he was just saying in the... Verse 7, it's growing in him, it's walking with him. You know, it's all these, you know, it's this idea of relationship. relationship. Perfect. Great way to sum it up. And also submission, too. Yes. Because, mm -hmm. I mean, it's like it's a little bit more specifically uh, being made complete through our union in Christ is, is Jesus's sacrifice on the cross and resurrection was the restoration of our relationship with God that was broken by sin. So we're made complete because Jesus restored that relationship. And then he goes on in 10 <coughs> to say, so you are made complete through your union with Christ, who is the head over every ruler and authority, which ties back into 6, where he said, as now, just as you accepted Christ as your Lord, which Lord, it's not another word for God, it means like boss like he's in charge mm -hmm. he's the authority so if you're accepting him as your authority you must continue to follow him it's you have to you have to submit yourself to him yes yeah to his authority perfect close any thoughts so far from six to this point i notice that like we're asking uh, what would it be to like be in this walk with christ or um, whereas the way the verse is phrased, it's not like saying, oh, you would be. He's saying, like, you already are mm -hmm. complete in Christ. You just have to recognize mm -hmm. that and not get pulled away. Perfect. Yeah. You are complete in Him. Mm -hmm. Paul's already describing this as a fact to be enjoyed, not a status to be achieved. Mm -hmm. Do this, and then you'll be complete. Nope. You are complete. So do that. It's good to know. And it's important to, to mention also that um, nothing else makes you complete. Mm -hmm. Nothing else, no one else makes you complete other than being in union with Christ. No other person, you know, no other deed that you can do. You're complete, you're whole, nothing missing, nothing lost, nothing broken. It's not by your deeds or something that you are on your own. It's because you're in Christ. Even when you look at yourself and you think, um, you know, you're like, oh, I'm imperfect, I'm lacking in these areas, God's angry with me, you know, I did this, uh, I'm too dirty, I'm damaged for him to accept me. Why would God want to be with me? I'm a hot mess. All this stuff is going on. You are in Christ. You are complete. There's no person, no place, no thing that can fit in a God-shaped hole because only God can fill that spot in your heart. Sometimes that's exactly what we need to hear because we either are beating ourselves up or we say things that we don't want to say or we are in a rut and literally we need that hole, I guess, or void filled. 
who better than our Lord to do that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you know that little um, like game for like a baby or a toddler where it's like there's a circle, a square, a triangle, a rectangle. And you got the block, the 3D block that you need to put through that shaped hole. It will only go through that shaped hole. Sure, you can be a little crafty and take your rectangle and put it through the circle that way. But to put every the actual to put the actual <laughs> object through the each piece, only one thing can complete it. It'd be like having, you know, there's a spot for God in every part. God created everyone for relationship with him. And we people try to fill up the, the God-shaped hole with the wrong things. It's like, it's like there's a star that you're trying to put in a circle and a triangle and, a ra- and it just doesn't fit. You might just kind of get it to like just, oh, that fills it up mostly. There's like these empty areas up here, but like this kind of covers it and I just don't, you know, where it's like, it will be this lack, this lacking without having a proper thing, without having God in the place where God belongs, which is the entirety of your heart. Like trying to take like, the wrong puzzle piece and like get in there. I think this is the right spot. Yep, that looked good to me. I think I'm done the puzzle. And it's just like, like it doesn't look like a complete object right there. Either that or they they either say it looks good or they throw it and give up. <laughs> They're like, I'm done with this. I'm not doing this. It's like putting in shape in the shape of a cross right now. Mm-hmm. It's such a specific Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, verse eleven and twelve. Who wants to take that? I got it. In him also you were circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. So what's going on here? How does this fit into what we're talking about? Why is there not another subheading there that says, okay, different topic, here's something going on now. What's he talking about here? Talking about like the removal of the dead parts of you, the old self, and he gets into it more with baptism um, later. Awesome. But a, a spiritual circumcision. Spiritual circumcision. Yep. Connecting back to like what it is to be in Christ. Keeping the same overall theme of like not worrying about the traditions and the things of this world because he's already lived the perfect life. Mm-hmm. We can't. Yeah. Let's boil it down a little bit more. What was the point of being circumcised? What, what was the purpose? What was the meaning? Who did it? covenant between Abraham and God. Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly. That's when it was started with Abraham. What was the point of it? Why 
obedience. God told him to. Okay. <laughs> so at 99 years old, and he circumcised himself, which is a whole conversation in and of itself. But then from then on, it was like when babies were eight days old. Mm. That's when they did it. Himself and all the... Uh, Everybody all else the in this group. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a whole thing. Does anyone not know what it means? Does anyone not know what circumcision is? It's okay if you don't. I don't know. Can you explain it? Yeah, same. It's <laughs> <laughs> at least somebody. Thank you. Thank you. Um, cutting off the foreskin of a penis. Yeah. Um, so, it's to be set apart. Mm-hmm. That's the reason for it, to be set apart. What's the definition of holy? To be set apart. The reason for circumcision, God made a covenant with Abraham, you are my people. You are to be set apart. You are to be different than everyone else. Here is one way of you showing that. And it's something that then they would carry on from generations, and people still do today. Um, so, he's talking here about a spiritual circumcision. Cutting away of your sinful nature. So, they actually speak of spiritual circumcision in the Old Testament as well. In Deuteronomy, in Jeremiah, in Ezekiel. Um, all talking about, and it says the same thing, circumcision of the heart. If you want any of those references, Deuteronomy 10.16. Also Deuteronomy 30, verse 6. If anyone's interested later, um, but all, all very interesting. I was actually surprised. I did not realize circumcision of the heart was anything in the Old Testament, but it is. Can you put that in the group chat? Yes, thank you. Um, and and all the all the places they're talking about all those Old Testament references, Deuteronomy, Jeremiah, Ezekiel. They're talking about like you need to make you need to get your heart straight with God, and you need a spiritual circumcision. Very interesting stuff. Um, so the whole point of this, of he's saying, when you came to Christ, you were circumcised, but not by a physical procedure. Christ performed the spiritual circumcision, the cutting away of your spiritual sin. For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized, and with him you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. So, if you were a baby back then and you were circumcised, that does not make you right with God. That was just the, essentially the outward expression of, let, let's, you know, kind of like dedicate, let's dedicate the baby. The baby doesn't really have a say, right? Um, but it's, it's that setting your heart straight, it's that heart posture, right? So, he's talking here about spiritual circumcision, cutting off the sinful nature. That's essentially what it is. Being baptized is that that ceremony of ceremonially dying, going under the water as Christ died, coming up, resurrecting as Christ resurrected from the dead, and then being washed clean, that old sinful nature being gone. He's correlating the spiritual circumcision with being baptized. The whole point of it, Paul were to kind of just rewrite this to make it, you know, all even a little bit more clear. He'd probably say something like this. Circumcision is not important, guys. What is important is the spiritual cutting away of the flesh that Jesus performs in the life of every believer. You want a ceremony to mark this spiritual transformation in your life? 
look to baptism, not circumcision. That'd probably be the the current the you know easier way to understand what I think he's trying to say here. It's not what you're trying to do that gets you right with God. Get your heart right with God, and that's the whole thing. It's all about the heart posture. Does he bring that up in Galatians? Galatians had a lot about circumcision. Like because he was like because the, the Jewish really, people were like they were like really, hammering on the Gentiles about yeah. like hey, God doesn't really love you because you're not circumcised. And they're yeah. like, we're not doing that, dude. And they're There's, like, well, then you're not loved by God. It's really cool to see the the backstory of why the letter is being written to mm -hmm. each, you know, all these all these letters, right? Colossians to the people of Colossia, Philippians to the people of Philippi, Ephesians to the people of Ephesus, like all these books, Galatians to the people of Galatia, Corinthians to the people of Corinth, like that's what all these letters and books are. He's addressing different things to all these people because they're all kind of, they all need different things. So he's he's address certain, addressing certain things. For the Galatians, they were really stuck and hung up on, like we need to be, they need to get circumcised, you need to get circumcised, hey, like what's going on? And Paul's like, let me address this. Mm -hmm. Any thoughts so far? Thoughts, comments, questions, concerns? Might just go a little bit more for right now. Um, let's go with 13 through 15. God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed these spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. I always reference that verse 14 right there during um, around Easter time. As I bring the cross over here and hand the, the mallet to people and let them drive the spike into the cross to, to nail the, um, you know, and always, I always bring this verse back to, to reference of, um, he canceled the record of the charges against us, took it away by nailing it to the cross. And essentially just with each strike of the hammer to the nail, you're nailing your passions and desires. Oh, well, that must be a different verse. But, but both. <laughs> nailing your passions and desires to the cross is another reference. But, um, of, he took the charge, the record against you, and nailed it to the cross. I like the word canceled there. Mm -hmm. um, like he just, you know, basically, you know, completely takes it away. And literally is like, you know, you never really want some, you know, when we're buying something, you don't want your transaction canceled unless something bad happens or, you know. But in this case, being canceled and forget and forgave, or I guess, yeah, forgave us of all our sins. And making us alive is pretty incredible. Um, that he's, like you said, taking it all away, nailing it to the cross. I can think of how many songs have nailed to the cross. I mean, it's, mm -hmm. especially around Easter time. He's kind of still talking about circumcision also in uh, verse 13. You, know, you were dead because of your sins and because your spiritual nature was not yet cut away. That's that spiritual circumcision. You're, mm -hmm. still, you're still with that no, I'm not gonna say that. That's kind of weird. No, I'm gonna say it. <laughs> Go for it. It just came to mind. 
your spiritual foreskin, right? You haven't been circumcised yet. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And but that's not the reason for the, the physical. Isn't the reason for not being with Christ, but cutting away the your, your sin, allowing Christ to move in you is is what will save you. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, we'll see if we get probably get to the end of this. Sixteen through nineteen. Who wants to take that? Go for it. Okay. I just like reading. Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. Do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you. Such a person also goes into great detail about what they have seen. They are puffed up with idle notions by their unspiritual mind. They have lost connection with the, with the head, from whom the whole body, supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews, grows as God continues to grow. So here Paul is he's addressing, you know, right, there are those two things that we talked about in the beginning, and what he was trying to address here to the Colossians. Um, talking about, you know, challenging people to grow deeper, um, to, to not go away from God, but to devote themselves to him, to Jesus. And then there was also the other side, the pressures that they faced from the Jewish Christian community of you got to follow these laws to the T, you know, keep the Sabbath holy, follow all these, um, you know, special holidays. So you got to stay kosher. You can't eat this. You can't do that. Don't do this. Don't do that. Right. So he's addressing that here. Don't let anyone condemn you for what you eat or drink or for not keeping this the certain days holy or performing certain ceremonies. Those things don't save you, he's saying. He's saying that all those things can be can be done in good faith, but don't make that like, if I don't do these, then I'm going to hell. Mm -hmm. Like you can do those things and it's okay to do these things as long as you're doing it for like for the right reasons. But don't like force this on other people that have no idea what you're even talking about. Like that's never been any part of the culture or anything. And it's okay to explain why you do them, but don't make it like the thing that gets them to Christ. Yeah. Okay. And all this, you know, circum being circumcised won't save you. Mm -hmm. Not eating certain foods won't save you. Celebrating all certain days won't save you. Keeping the Sabbath day won't save you. This won't save you. That won't save you. This won't save you. Not doing this won't save you. Specifically doing that won't save you. The only thing that can save you is being with Christ. Mm -hmm. I think that brings it back up to like the beginning where I was talking about uh, being established and beware of don't be spoiled by philosophy or vain mm -hmm. deceit. Because like if we're talking like back then, like you said, like with the different gods, like if you had certain there were certain festivals and certain foods, if you kill this really pure ox or if you do this like in all like, different cultures of the world over the three continents that this was kind of being taken place at the time everyone thought like if you did something or you did a certain ritual that something good was going to come from it but he's kind of saying and I think that's what separates Christianity from like almost every religion is that there's no specific special ritual or ceremony or offering you can make that is going to get you anything good or anything bad it's just Stay in Christ. You believe in Christ? That's it. And I think that kind of like blows, like I guess, because we want something to be so grander and as us as people want something to be so 
amazing that when it comes down to being so simple, it's that even simple things are hard for us to even comprehend because we want something to be so crazy. Like we want something crazy. Almost like Fourth of July. Mm -hmm. Like if I don't have the best fireworks, I'm not American or something. It's like, no, that makes no sense. You're already American. You live in America. You live in Christ. You don't have to have the best fireworks. You don't have to have the great, the greatest miracles. You don't have to have the greatest healings. You just have to believe in them. And that's it. That is a phenomenal that's a really little, good little analogy yeah. correlation there. Well, I was going to get high already for referencing back to oh. the verse 8 there, the high the um, high sounding nonsense mm -hmm. and philosophy, so good job, and then bonus points for the 4th of July reference. We just make it. I don't know, I won't go into it. We'll talk about that okay. later. Alright, verse. verse no, I did one more bit. It was just another thing. That I can go on tangents for like hours. So first, let, let's finish this off. Verse twenty-two, the end of chapter two. Who wants to take that? If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? Do not handle. Do not taste. Do not touch. Referring to things that all perish as they are used according to human precepts and teachings. These have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and ascetism and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. Harry continues to address the situation with the, you know, the, the Jewish you know, community of like, don't do this, don't do that, don't do that. Don't handle, don't taste, don't touch. Like, all these rules, he's saying, these are all just human teachings that they just deteriorate. Like, it, it's, it's not important. That's not the, the, the big idea of, like, not eating this, not touching that. Like, you're ceremonially dirty, you're this, you're that. You know, don't do this, don't do that. It's just being Christ. I have a question. This is just like, because sometimes it always comes up like talking to people or when reading the Old Testament and the New Testament. We're like, oh, well, right there, the Bible contradicts itself. Because why did God tell his people to do certain things? And now he's saying, don't do these things. I won't know. My question is, like, why did God tell his, was it just to separate them from other groups of people at that time? Or was, well, did it have more, like. We didn't really talk about it. I know there's no contradiction in God, but I just don't know why. In this chapter, we did go over a verse. Oh, I just lost. Go for it. Um, that that they were shadows of yeah shadows yeah. of things to come. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I know it is here. I know what you're talking about. Seventeen. Yeah. Yeah, there it is. These are a shadow of things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. And then, in my the translation that I was reading, um, the last verse also, so your translation says, an appearance of wisdom. The last verse in my translation was, have a showing of wisdom, which I do kind of like that. I'm like, oh, it, it kind of shows something, like these good values, but they aren't really... They need the meat and potatoes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just wondering, because when you're talking to other people, it's kind of hard to... Yeah. I'm not saying like, we, we I, I need to like, be a defender that. of God, but we it's like... We can address that later, because that's okay. a whole other topic. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, but I, I love the question, though. That's a, mm -hmm. that's a great question. 
Um, well, he did a whole other topic. I feel like that was kind of a. The main discussion. Essentially, it boils down to God has entered them into a new covenant mm-hmm. through Jesus Christ. Um, okay. So. So the new covenant is Christ because of what Christ did. Yes. So you no longer like you ha- like at first that's what you had to do. You had to sacrifice. You had to do sacrifices because there was it was an imperfect sacrifice. But then Christ came and that became a perfect sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Cool. I think. I'd have to find the, the reference. I, I believe in one, in a, in a reference, Jesus, even re- like the Pharisees, I think were kind of like, hey, like, are you not like following like these certain mm-hmm. laws? And he's like, I am the law. Yeah. Kind of like, I, I, I am the new covenant. <laughs> I mean, even in the Old Testament, I was just looking it up because we were reading through this and it reminded me of this. In 1 Samuel 15, 22, it says, and Samuel said, as the Lord, um, as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to listen is better than the fat of rams. Mm. And so a lot of times, you know, we can get caught up in, oh, like I need to do this physical thing in order to do it, and we completely neglect the heart posture mm-hmm. like you were talking yeah. about. Mm-hmm. And we can we can focus on the, the deeds that we're doing, and God is like, bruh. You're missing it. Yeah, what, what yeah there's, there's a few references to where God is saying, I don't want your sacrifice. I okay. want your heart. Because yeah, he's saying, like, because you keep, it's like, like you just keep sitting over and over, and you're like, well, next month I'm giving a good lamb, so I don't really have to worry about what I'm doing. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. David is a good example of that. Mm-hmm. Cool. Good talk. Um, Um, so yeah, I, mean, I know we kind of covered a lot there. Maybe I should just stop a little while. There was a lot there, um, but I guess main main takeaways. You know, your faith will only be established as your roots are deep. Continue growing in Him. Um, your your roots won't grow deep in the drought and the storm. That has to happen beforehand. Um, and that you know the none of these things, the do's or the don'ts, don't get you right with God. It's just being in Christ. That's all he wants. He wants you, he just wants that relationship. And in him, being in him, remaining in him, walking with him, following him, obeying him, that's what makes you complete. Nothing else. Not the rules, not the regulations, not, you know, anything else that that they were worried about doesn't make you complete. The only thing that makes you complete is Jesus because he's already fully God. God, we thank you so much for this evening and for your word. Uh, we thank you that your word is complete, that your word doesn't leave us wondering, uh, doesn't have any anything lacking, that doesn't um, make us wonder, well, what did he mean? Thank you that, that you put it down so plainly, um, not necessarily easily, but you tell us what to do. Thank you for giving us direction and guidance. Thank you for making us complete, for allowing us to be with you and in you, um, to be made whole so that we're not lacking and, and feeling void and emptiness inside of us. Thank you for remaining in us. We ask that if anyone doesn't feel that they are full or that they are complete, that, that you would just remind them this week that you are enough. They don't need to search anything else or anywhere else. 
that you are enough to completely satisfy. Thank you, God, for, for this reminder of who you are. Thank you for making us complete. Hey, thanks for listening. It's always a good time in God's premises with us. I hope you enjoyed it and that you tune in again for the next episode of the Monday Night Godcast.